Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, but we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, today, people, we have Julia Rock is in the building. Uh, I, I love that name. It just. Thank you so much. Got it from my daddy. <laughs> oh, man. It just, it just sounds like money. It just sounds like <laughs> perfect for branding in this digital age uh, we live in. Um, I definitely wanted to bring you on. I, you're doing great things in the, in the career development and coaching space. Uh, but in terms of my audience, there's so many of us who, you know, you work in education and we hear about the turnover, you know, like after five years, people like they burned out, we're out, like, where do we go? And I sort of wanted to talk to you about how does someone look at their skills? How does someone, you know, get their resume ready? How does someone know where they need to be? Because an educator may not need to leave K through 12. They may need to find another position in K through 12 or not abandon education altogether, but find something that's related, but maybe it's in a nonprofit or maybe they start their own business, which I am all about the side hustle. Uh, so I wanted to have you on to uh, share your expertise and give insight on what does career development uh, look like or what it can look like for individuals. So for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Stitcher, and Simplecast, will you please introduce yourself, Julia? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me, Dr. Will. I truly appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and to speak with your audience. Uh, but I am Julia Rock, and I'm the owner of Rock Career Development. And Rock Career Development is a career solutions firm that empowers individuals to unlock and achieve their full career potential. We provide services ranging anywhere from resume writing to career and leadership development coaching, uh, all the way through salary negotiation. We believe that if you can change your career and if you can make the money that you want, you can truly change your life. And I am a career coach and strategist. I'm a certified professional resume writer and certified employment interview professional. And I also have to add that I'm an entrepreneur who still works full time. I serve as the lead controller for three major chemical plants in the Baton Rouge, Louisiana area. I work for one of the largest oil and gas companies in the world, and I oversee approximately a billion dollars in operating expenses. Wow. So you're not far from me. No, not at all. Uh, I, I mean, I guess how many hours is that by car? It shouldn't be that far, right? No. New Orleans is two hours from me. Okay, so I'm just another hour. I'm just another hour past New Orleans. So three hours. Oh man, we gotta have to meet in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love, I love, I love me some Nola. That's my, that's one of my cities that amazes me because as much as my wife and I go, there's still something always new that we haven't seen before. So uh, we we definitely love that that spot. And I love the culture in New Orleans. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, you walk the streets and even the architecture just in the buildings. I mean, it's just it's just awesome being there. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm always curious as to what got people where they are, right? Okay. Because when you just explain your, you know, your job, right? And and you know, when you're 10 years old and someone say, Hey, what do you want to want to do? Um, 
your work isn't like something that people talk about, right? <laughs> uh, not even my job. People don't say, oh, I want to be an instructional technologist. You know, it's generally something else. Uh, so what did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And what drew you to career development and coaching? So this may be a long answer. Uh, so hopefully you'll bear with me. But I really love when people answer that ask me this question because it's what I'm doing now is so drastically different from, you know, what I thought I'd be doing when I was growing up. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a ballerina. I was sure I was going to be a ballerina and I was going to dance my life away for the rest, you know, forever. Uh, but then I got into high school and I became passionate about uh, wanting to be a lawyer. I found politics and law so interesting. And that was then I, you know, I got into high school, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer. Uh, but you know, I had always been drawn to career excellence. Uh, my parents are my parents are West Indian. They're from the island of Barbados. So if you have any uh, listeners that are from Barbados, special hello to you. Um, but they they came over from Barbados and they had already had established careers uh, in Barbados. My dad was an educator. He actually taught math and Spanish, and then my mom was a nurse. But then coming to the U.S. back in the '70s, you couldn't like transfer papers or anything like that. So they had to go all the way back to starting with their GED. And because of that, as they raised us, they told us that they wanted to see us excel and to reach excellence because we didn't have the obstacles that they had. We were born in the US, we had access to the same education system as everyone else. We, it was really important for us to establish that um, success and because they, they wanted us to be financially stable and for them that started with career success. So when I got into college, um, I did major in finance, hence the, the controller role I have now. Um, but I spent a lot of time in our career services office because I went to go get my resume done the first time. And then I just kept going. Um, I started to build relationships with the leadership in the career services office. And I started attending their workshops, um, whether it was developing resumes or networking or preparing for interviews. I just started to learn all I could because I really just found it interesting. And then I also read on my own. So as I built that expertise and I was helping myself, friends and family members started to ask me questions about, well, hey, can you look at my resume? Or hey, I've got this interview coming up. Would you mind helping me? And I just found enjoyment in helping uh, my family and friends because when they came back and said, hey, I got the job or hey, I got that interview, I got that kind of high from that. And that's something that really honestly has never left. Wow, that's all right. That's all right. I kind of I thought about majoring in finance until I opened up the car catalog, and it said Cal three, and I said no, I won't be majoring. <laughs> Try taking a derivatives class. I mean, if you man, that's that is something that was not fun. But I did get an A in that class, so that's the feather in my cap that I keep until now because derivatives was a hard course. No, I know how to add, subtract, divide, and multiply, and that's about <laughs> it. Uh, so. The economy has changed. You know, more jobs are being automated and outsourced overseas. Layoffs are commonplace and incomes have become stagnant across uh, many industries. You decided to become an entrepreneur on top of all the other stuff you're doing and you founded uh, Rock Career Development. What was the pain point behind you creating the company? Uh, what a great question because 
when it comes to why I started my company, it was just something that I was really passionate about. It's actually a twofold uh, rationale. So before I started my company, I was heavily involved in recruiting for my current organization. I would be going out to career fairs, so say the National Black MBA Conference and, and, and other opportunities on campus. And I would go out and recruit and talk to students and talk to candidates, experienced candidates and so forth. And I honestly noticed the stark difference in performance uh, between people of color or specifically black candidates and candidates that were, were not black. Um, I found that a lot of the black students were not as polished or as prepared when coming to speak with me. And again, like I said, I worked for one of the largest oil and gas companies in the world. So I expected people to come up there, you know, with all the I's dotted and T's crossed and really, you know, come polished. And I found that there was just a gap in how the black candidates were coming in comparison to the non-black candidates. And I know that it's not for a lack of intellect or ability. It's uh, many times it's a lack of information or access or emphasis on these particular skills. So at that time, I thought to myself, what if I was able to help level the playing field? What if I would be able to help provide career development and preparation services to the people who look like me and then help them to be more competitive in the workforce? I mean, today the business has grown and I serve candidates from all walks of life and ethnicities. Um, and I also speak as well to diverse audiences, but that was the major catalyst is that seeing people who look like me, really helping them to become more competitive uh, in the workforce. Now, in addition, in addition to that, remember I said earlier that I had, um, I had been coaching people kind of just on the side for friends for free for a long time. And back in 2013, I had coached my, one of my good friends to his first six figure job. And he came to me and he just thanked me and said, you know, I really appreciate you doing this for me, but you may have something here because to give away this kind of information to help someone level up to this degree, to give it away for free, you're really robbing yourself of making an impact and making money at the same time. So it was really those two things of really trying to fill that gap in the marketplace for, for candidates of color, particularly black candidates, as well as just leveraging skills I already had, you know? Mm. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, a question popped into my head that I didn't ask you, uh, but put on the list of questions I sent you beforehand, but you mentioned in the work that you're doing and you worked in the field of oil and gas, how, when you're looking at, let's say, Black people who are entering that field, mm -hmm. how, what sort of mobility may exist for them, especially when you look at the continent of Africa, where those natural resources are abundant there, uh, are there opportunities, greater opportunities, or, or opportunities that Black people may not even think about when they're looking at careers of saying, wow, if I go in, Oil, of oil and gas, I could be here, but be, you know, transferred overseas to, to work for a company. What does that field look like for black people? Uh, so, so it's interesting that you've mentioned that is because we, uh, my organization, we have a presence on the continent of Africa. We're in Nigeria, we're in Angola, we're in, uh, we're going to be, we're in Mozambique right now. We have um, a lot of just opportunity there. And typically what we try to do in those places is that we try to hire local resources for a lot of the kind of entry level and kind of entry level management positions there. They typically don't bring in expats for those roles because, you know, if we're coming in and taking 
your resources, the least we can do is make sure that we are uh, empowering your workforce and giving them, you know, high paying jobs for them to be able to provide for themselves and their families. So at least for the, for the black people who live there, there are opportunities to come in and work and then move up the ladder. And then for uh, black candidates who may live in the U.S., there are typically opportunities for you to go in at a higher level as you uh, demonstrate your ability to perform. So my company has a pretty uh, strict ranking system of how they look at people's performance, and they've truly increased their emphasis on making sure that they're taking into account uh, racial implications and biases and gender biases and so forth. So they're trying to make it more equitable for black candidates who are performing to get those opportunities to go overseas. And especially, it's a little easier to send someone who's black <laughs> to a place with black people versus someone who someone who's not black. So it's still it's still very competitive. You know, I don't want, want to paint, you know, a, a, a utopia. But the fact is, there is real opportunity if you're able to perform well. Awesome. Awesome. So let, this next question is, is one of those things for me because I am an educator and spent a long time and a lot of money uh, in student loans uh, to get my, <laughs> uh, to get the three letters behind my name. But we, we know that we live in an era now where the college degree, for some people, they look at it as it's not as valuable as it once was, or they're not getting that return on investment of, wow, I took out $50,000 in student loans, and now I'm getting this entry-level job that is paying me $30,000, $35,000, and I expected more. How do you work with people on sort of getting clear about the type of work they were meant to do? And what does your process look like? Okay, okay. Uh, so before I answer that kind of last question, I, I wanna talk about the piece that you mentioned about, hey, I, you know, I spent all this money going to school and then I came out and I'm not making any money. One thing that uh, when I was going to college, my dad was very clear on and He's like, you know, I can appreciate your passion, but you also wanna think about what's going to pay the bills. Where is there going to be some money? Because, you know, at one point I told my dad, I, you know, I had seen Jerry Maguire and I was like, I wonder if I could be a sports agent. And, and my dad's like, I hear you, but, you know, how easy is it to break into that field? What skills do you need? Is it niche? And what happens if you lose your job? Are your skills transferable so that you can get, uh, can get another role? How well does it pay? Those are things to consider when you're selecting a major because passion is awesome. But what else is awesome is paying your bills and being financially free and not having not being laden down with debt. So my process in terms of helping people to get clear on, you know, what the work, the work that they want to do is uh, typically my clients, we have a career discovery and exploration call. And that's the time where we really sit down and dig into, hey, what did you want to do when you were growing up? And how has that changed, you know, when you first started your career and then to where you are now? What did success look like to you back then? What did it look like when you first started in your, in your career? And then how has it changed now? We talk about what their career values are, what they deem to be important. What are they most passionate about? But before we get into any of that, the first thing that I do is I assess who they are 
independent of job title education i ask them to tell me about yourself i don't want to hear about your job i don't want to hear about what school you went to i don't want to hear about your credentials tell me who you are how would you describe yourself mm. and and it takes some time for people to come up with those answers so i try to send out the questions in advance so people can kind of simmer on it a little bit but once you can figure out well who am i then you have a better thought process as to what work am I meant to do? Because if you think about, I'm a person who wants to create impact in this area in the world that has nothing to do with your credentials, but this is what you're thinking about. Now we can start to target, okay, well, what kind of opportunities, jobs, companies, industries can help you achieve those goals? So once we look at who you are, then we can dig into your career interests, your values and so forth. And then we also talk about the future. Where do you see yourself five, you know, five years from now, 20 years from now? You know, um, what do you want your legacy to be? We don't talk mm -hmm. a, a, about legacy enough. We just talk about, you know, getting rich, you know, paying taxes and dying. But what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your kids to remember you by and the world to remember you by? And what do you specifically want out of life? We spend so much time at work. So you have to keep your life in perspective. What kind of balance do you want? What kind of life do you want to provide for your family? What kind of balance is important to you? So, so we go through that career discovery and exploration call and really kind of dig to the root of that because mm -hmm. then it helps folks to think about, now that I know what that is, now I can think about what roles will help to, um, to kind of fill that void for me. And one last thing before we get on to the next question, um, I tell people that when you think about your dream job, don't think about your dream job just as the work itself, just the, you know, this is what's on my desk. Because if the work is awesome, but the company sucks, the value sucks, the commute is too far, the pay isn't good, you know, you hate your team, you know, you hate the industry. If all of those things don't fit, is that opportunity still your dream job? And so when we talk about, when we have that career discovery and exploration call, I, I, I challenge people to, to dig deeper than I just want to, you know, save the whales. It's like, well, what does that look like? What are all the pieces that are associated with that? Mm -hmm. so, so what is the conversation like when, when you're working with someone and they do have that, I want to save the whales or, or, or I want to change the, the career opportunities or the educational opportunities for kids in inner cities. And these people are coming to you with a degree in finance or, or engineering and their current salary right now is pretty hefty. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they're talking about making a possible career change where their, their, their check is going to be here to now looking like it's been on slim fast. <laughs> right. Right. What is that conversation like with, with them when you're talking to them and, and they're giving you this, this meat and you hear, what you're, you hear what they're saying, but now you have to say, you do realize that the Range Rover you're driving, you can't afford that as a teacher or that vacation you like to take uh, to Nigeria every couple of years, you can't do that because now you're talking about running this nonprofit. How do you approach the subject of lifestyle changes when it comes to career changes that are affected by salary? So 
uh, first things first, I grew up in Brownsville, Brooklyn. So I'm a very kind of direct person. I'm not going to mince words with you. So if you're coming to me with, I want to save the whales, but I still want to make $400,000 a year as I was making as a managing director at this company here, it's like, well, let's have a frank conversation. But that's the reason why I have the conversation with them about what is important to you in your career. It can't just be the work. It has to be about, well, how much money do you want to earn? Because sometimes those two things are not may not be as compatible and we also try to think a little bit bigger so this may be what you want to do now as an educator and perhaps you take a little bit of a step back but how do we create you a, a longer term career plan which would allow you to get more so into administration and to um, overseeing a larger group of schools or overseeing a larger organization which can then help your earning potential. How do we make sure that you have the right networking relationships so that you can get into other lucrative opportunities perhaps on the side or, or what have you. So we try to think not just right here because in the short term, you're probably gonna take that pay cut, that 50% pay cut that sucks. But again, it, the question I have for you is how important is your passion to you right now? And if your passion to you is more important than the money, then let's make this choice. But if you're saying, hey, I still wanna drive that Range Rover, then the mm -hmm. question is, how much do you want to do that work? And is that truly the work you want to do? Or is there some other opportunity that we can look at that maybe doesn't give you all of this, but you can compromise a little bit and you can still make the, you know, make the, the, make the dollars you want to make. So it's about thinking about the short term creating a longer term plan to see, okay, if we start here and we don't make enough money, is there a way for us in the future to really grow and expand and really get to that next level or level up so that you can get back to earning at a, at a high rate? Because a lot of these folks who are running nonprofits, they're not poor. They aren't poor. It's, you know, it's, it's the workers who, who, are, who are following the paper that are poor, but the person who's the executive director or the managing director, these folks ain't, ain't poor, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I, I want to, kind of stick with this for a little bit because earlier you mentioned how your father you know gave you the advice of make sure what you major in will provide for you financially mm -hmm. and it seems as though a lot of black parents who when they're involved in their child's education and they, especially if they've never gone through the process but they're involved and they're saying, you know, they, hey, you know, major in this um, because this job, you know, will provide you benefits and, you know, uh, an opportunity. And, you know, when you hear, you become what you see. And so you have a lot of black people who major in education. They major in nursing. They major in psychology. Now, these are great helping fields, but typically, People are not making major coin now. Nurses now, they'll, they'll, they'll nurses will stack some change. Right, uh, right. But, but, <laughs> but my mama people, was a nurse, so <laughs> yeah, they'll stack it. But other people typically don't, or it takes them a long time to get to the upper level of money. For those educators who are listening, who are parents what would you say to them to sort of broaden the career aspirations of what they think is possible right because i don't know how when you major in finance i don't know how many black people in the class with you 
in your classes in majoring in finance, right? Or how many black people are in those engineering uh, courses? Uh, how many black people are getting MBAs? You know, these fields that, that generally lead to paths where I'm starting out, I can start out making $120,000, you know, $130,000. I'm, I'm just out of school. In education, no, 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 no. That, that's director level money. That's not, I mean, that's after many of years of you putting in the grind. So what, what do you say to people about, so I guess expanding their worldview of what is possible career-wise and not, I don't want to say safe jobs, because I, I didn't pick my job because it was safe. This is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But some people will look at, you know, you have people go, if they've come from nothing, knowing that, wow, I can get a job where I have, you know, some good benefits and I'm not going to go hungry and I can put a roof on my head. That's better than what I came from. So, so what, one of the things that, that, that my dad did when I, when he was telling me about getting that major that would allow me to make money was about going and doing research because he told me, he's like, if you want to be a sports agent, I want you to go research and really take a look at it because how much do you know about that? And in today's age where, where information is at your fingertips, you've got Google University, YouTube University, et cetera, this is a time where educators can talk with their children about, you know, what is it that you actually just like doing? Not even what you, what you see, but what is it that you like doing? And have you researched how many, you know, how much people make in these fields? Because typically if you're having these conversations, you're talking to kids in high school. So they've got the intellect to be able to go and research on their own um, and, and really take a chance to look into what is it that they find interesting. And then also start to introduce them to other people, people that can be whether role models for them or, or they can sit down and have conversations with, um, you know, because when you're in high school, a lot of people have jobs. So sometimes people characterize high school students as being really, really young and immature and impressionable. And to a certain extent, they are. But that's when you start to really groom them. Because if you're waiting for them to figure that out in college, um, you know, sometimes it may be too late because they're trying to find themselves. And then by senior year, it's like, well, I'm going to just go major in psychology, psychology so I can get out on time. You know what I mean? Um, So I really think that it's doing the research and then starting to connect them with people that may be in uh, different fields. Um, Taking them on, if if, if you can afford it, take them on trips to different places so they can see what the world is like. Um, Take them to different organizations, whatever it might be that is um, within your realm or scope, help them to broaden their horizons. Because if they can just see what's happening in the home that they're in right now with your immediate group of friends or immediate family members, that's just a little bit too small. So it's really on you to help drive them towards doing the research. And if they need the help, sit with them. Get on the computer and say, so what are you interested in doing? Um, well, I really like math. Okay, well, what are some of those fields that, can, that would, would be helpful for math outside of education? You can go and do engineering. So let's take a look at how much engineers make and what kind of roles do they have and how do they use math? So you can be an active participant as a parent to help your, help your child begin to, to form their opinions and really begin to think through it. Because my dad did finance. And so he and I spent a lot of time together talking about the work that he was doing. We would watch various shows together, finance shows. We'd watch CNBC together, all these things. And so I began to form my own interests by the time I decided to major in finance when I got to college. Mm, that's all right. That's all right. So I'm 46. 
And I tell you don't look forty six. You know, it's it's the chocolate coating. <laughs> I tell people, well, thank you. Alhamdulillah. I tell all people, and maybe I tell this too much at work, but I tell people that my next job, I'm not looking for a title with just a little taste of money. At my age, because you know, the wife and I, we have been saving, but I am looking for that C-suite, life-changing, I could pay off my house in five years type money. And I know for me at four to six, my thought process is of, of what's next for me. I know they're different from someone who's 25, you know, someone who's just like sort of, I'm just entering the profession and someone who's 35, I've been in for, you know, 10 years or so. What questions should someone be asking themselves at different sort of, I don't want to put a number on your life, but in, once you've been at a job, you know, three to five years, what should someone be asking themselves about what's next? What conversation should they be, what should they be taking into account? Okay. So, uh, so the thing about it is you should always be on an ongoing basis, taking stock of where you are in your career from the time you start until you retire. I'm a, I'm a fan of, you know, if you do annual assessments on your performance, you should be doing annual assessments of where you are in your career so that you don't have those kind of, you, you wait 10 years and then you're trying to figure out what am I doing with my life. I'm a fan of every year to, to assess where am I, how am I doing, how do I feel about where I'm at. Um, but if you've only been in the workforce a, a few years, like if you're just fresh out of school, um, you know, this is the time to really take stock of, okay, you know, do I even like the work that I'm doing? Because what you learn in the textbooks is very different from what you learn in, or what you see in the real world. And so this is the time for you to assess, is this the work that I find interesting? Do I like this organization? And are they offering me opportunities to grow and really come into myself as an employee? Um, are there additional certifications or education that I need? Because typically when you're early in your career, um, you know, you don't have as many responsibilities. So that's the time if you need to go back and get, you know, a CPA, or if you need to go to get your additional certifications, this is the time to do it versus when you're um, further along in your career. Um, you know, who can you start to talk to at your organization and build relationships with? Uh, you know, who can I find to mentor me and, be, and also be my sponsor? So quick note, people try to use sponsor and mentor interchangeably and they're not the same thing. A mentor is a person who can provide you with the advice and guidance, but a sponsor is really someone who's got the juice and can help you truly advance in your career. Um, and then finally, also asking themselves about the soft skills, because when you come into the workforce, there are a lot of soft skills that will help you to move forward. So you have effective communication skills, presentation skills, conflict, conflict resolution. It's not just about the subject matter, it's about having those soft skills. Now, once you start to advance, you're now looking to kind of take on some additional responsibility and you're beginning to look to kind of settle into the work that you enjoy. So you're not really looking to job hop <clears throat> from here and there. You're really, um, you know, you've already done some exploration. And so you may even be at the turning point now where it's like, okay, well, do I want to even continue working or do I want to start my own company? So this is where you really ask yourself, am I still passionate about the work that I'm, I'm doing? I've been here for 10 years. I've been, you know, making these widgets for 10 years. I've moved up somewhat, but do I still like making widgets? 
you know, what is the compensation level? Because now when you think about where you think about the, the changes that have happened in the market and the different types of jobs that have made themselves available, am I earning what I want to earn at this point? Um, and has your, has your uh, money grown commensurate with your experience? Because if you've got 10 years of experience and you're finding out that people who've got three and four years of experience are making what you make or more, now you've got some questions. Um, you know, what does career success look to you, look like to you at this point? It's very different from when you're fresh out of school because now you've seen the world, you're a little bit more kind of seasoned as it were. Um, and have you lost sight of your career, career goals? Because sometimes you get into this rut and you're just doing the same thing again, making the widgets, and you may have lost a lot of that fire and passion and kind of drive towards your goals. Um, and then the, one of the other key questions is, what is my path to get to that next level? So you talk about getting to the C-suite because now that you've got this base of experience, you don't necessarily have to go and get 12 jobs to try to build that experience. The question is, what are the roles now between where I'm at and where I wanna be? You know, and, and is there anyone that I can talk to who's kind of made that leap or someone who's, who, who's made that step that I can truly build a, um, a relationship with? Because the conversation that you have with a mentor when you're first starting out is very different than the conversation you have with a mentor or a sponsor when you're more seasoned. Because the person can take into account of, listen, I'm, this, this is not my first time around the block. This is not my, my first rodeo. I've got this skill set. I've got this education. This is, this is what I already know about the organization. Um, you know, what, what do I really need to do here? And so that's, that's how the conversation with yourself starts to change. Uh, once you get more senior because now you can kind of visualize where you want to be because you've gotten some experience and you can kind of say, well, what role do I need to get from here to here? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying, you know, I'm passionate about that. No. Stuff. You know that I'm passionate about this. <laughs> that's good. That's some good stuff. That's good stuff. I, I see why you get paid now. I see this good stuff. You know, I met, we got in contact uh, via social media and, I, and I, I'm able to look at, you know, what you're doing. And a lot of us nowadays, you know, you, you get on Twitter or LinkedIn or, or YouTube and you see even Instagram, like you see people who are doing some amazing things and then you start to compare your life to theirs. And then you even can go places and, and career folks can tell you, Hey, if you're not doing this by this age, you're doing it wrong, right? Or, or, or you're a failure and you're not feeling good, you know, about, you know, where you are. When people are, are at that stage and they're like, oh my gosh, man, I went to high school with that cat and now he's, you know, VP here. I, I graduated in the same college class with this person this person's CEO and they're looking at themselves and they're like, what happened? Uh, where should they start first? So the first thing that I, that I would tell somebody who, who's in that situation is that they need to focus on their own lane. There's no traffic if you stay in your own lane. So the fact is if you're looking around and getting lost in what other people are doing, you're losing sight of who you are and what's important to you because you're busy looking at everything. Uh, Michael Phelps was in a, I think it was the Olympics some years ago. 
and they have this amazing picture of him with his head face forward in the water and then a guy I think he was from Brazil or, or from another country and he's looking over and he's falling behind Michael Phelps because Michael Phelps is focused and this guy is looking over to see where Michael Phelps is the fact the fact is if you're busy looking over that's how you're falling behind because you're you're not focused on what you should be doing you're focused on um, what someone else is doing and um, and I went to a conference uh, I guess it was a couple weeks ago and one of the speakers said you cannot afford to get caught up in what someone else is called to do and that just kind of just slapped me in the face and knocked me out my seat because that's how you end up getting lost you cannot afford to get caught up in what someone else is called to do and so I firmly believe that you can have work that pays you well and can also be fulfilling. But that conversation that I have with that person who's looking over is like, what do you want? Why is the work that you're doing not fulfilling you? Is it because you think that someone over here is doing it or is it because you truly don't find that fulfilling? Is it the company? Is the work not challenging? So I start to have, so they should be focusing on what, what's wrong with where I'm at, independent of anything else. When I take a look at who I am and what I want, am I achieving that? And if it's the work itself and you're just like, hey, this work is just not it, this is the time to do that soul searching. What activities do you enjoy? What do you wake up wanting to do every day? Like I wake up and I'm excited when I have emails from clients, um, whether it's that they want to set up a session or they're telling me about the interview that they scored because of the resume I gave them, or they want to schedule another coaching session. I'm just like giddy when I get those emails, you know, um, what do they find themselves reading about or researching? What do they spend their free time doing? Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about money, but the fact is money is awesome. But I have had plenty, plenty of clients who have come in who are willing to take a pay cut because they felt they could do something more impactful. And social media will have you thinking that you are some sort of a failure. It'll have you starting a business that you don't even want to start. You don't even know anything about it. But because someone else is telling you, you know, people looking at, D at Diddy saying, well, Diddy is, you know, he's 50 and he's living his best life. But people forgot that Diddy was an intern you know, a hundred years ago and dancing in videos and all kinds of stuff, you know, carrying somebody's water. So, but people, people lose sight of that and they only see that snapshot. So I would tell people, don't focus on the snapshot. Don't focus on what someone else is doing. What is it that you want to do? What do you wake up wanting to do every day? And is there a way to intersect that interest with the kind of money you want to earn? Mm. So once someone can articulate this is what I want to do. Like, this is what drives me every day. I could do this for free. It's so interesting when I hear the people say, if you can do it for free, and I'm like, no, I don't believe in that for the free. But <laughs> when it is something that you don't need an alarm clock for to wake you up, because mm -hmm. you're, you're up every day. You're not even thinking man i can't wait for friday because i need that weekend off you're excited right how mm -hmm. how then can people sort of determine as you mentioned earlier what they were were, were called to do like it's one thing for you to say i love working with kids i mean that, that is when i get off work I love just being able to talk to kids and and, and groom them and mentor them and, and you know you're excited to do it but to figure out what you were called to do, does that mean 
you are going to run a nonprofit? Does that mean you need to become a teacher? Does that mean you need to create some sort of foundation? How do they then determine what that means for their life? So, so that, so um, I love this question because this comes down to strategy. So as we talked about uh, before, before when people are kind of like, I don't know what I want to do, I'm confused. That's when we go through the career exploration and discovery. So let's really kind of dig into this and figure out what it is you want to do. The next thing is then coming up with a strategy because the question is, now that you know, if you want to save the whales, then, and you know in what capacity you want to save the whales and so forth, then you can develop a strategy of how do I get there? Who has saved the whales before? Who do I need to make uh, build relationships with? Um, what skills do you need to develop to make sure that you can be the top person who's saving the whales? And so that's really where the strategy comes into, comes into play because then you can, once you line out the strategy, then you can understand, well, what does this mean for my life in terms of what I have to do right now? And then what do I have to do in the short term? And then what does a long term look like? Uh, you know, um, going back to my dad again, he always told me, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so when it comes to your career, if you're kind of just ambling along here and you don't have a game plan of how do I get to that next step, that's where you find yourself still struggling and you're looking over at everyone else because you don't have a clear cut plan of where you need to go. So once you have your plan laid out, then it becomes, you know, up to you for you to start being your own advocate. Because if you know this is where I want to go, then you've got to go start establishing those relationships. It would be nice for someone to kind of guide us through, through our career and handhold us, but that's just not real life. So you have to become your own advocate, starting to speak up for yourself, uh, for the roles that you want. Begin networking with those key decision makers and the sponsors of people that have achieved what you've achieved. Um, begin building the relationships that you need. And then, like I talked about, building the skill set and, and um, getting those experiences that you need to get you to where you want to be. But that plan of whether or not you should establish a nonprofit, that goes back to, well, what is it that you want to do? Because if you're saying, hey, I want to save the whales and there's no other organization doing it, then, the question, then, it, then it comes down to, okay, then you need to be that person that starts that organization. But what does that look like? What resources do you need? What kind of infrastructure do you need? What kind of skills do you need? What kind of relationships do you need? But again, once you have that, then you can create that action plan and then go ahead and execute. Mm. People, I need to charge for this episode. This, <laughs> I'm loving this, loving this. Oh, wow. Oh, man. I, we got to talk about this resume before, before you go. All right. Because it is, to me, it's just the, the most confusing thing ever because, like, I know what I do mm -hmm. on, the, on a daily basis with my job. And so with my resume, I just put, hey, I do this, 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 or I have done this, this, and this. But I hear people talking about, well, your resume needs to, to need to provide sort of proof of, oh, I have saved the company $3.5 million because I led this initiative. And I'm like, huh? Like, how do you quantify that? Like, how, how do I... What, how do I make, make sense of that? Like th that is like far beyond my comprehension of what you would put in a resume. So like how, how long should it be? Right? Because again, I'm in education. So 
I'm not going to have a one page resume. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. And most people in education don't have it. And I know different industries, industries have sort of different rules they, they, they follow. So I understand that in education, they're not expecting a three, uh, a one page resume from me anyway. But when you hear people say, Oh, your resume needs to be like real, real tight like this or these, how, how do people make sense of it? Right. And, and, what should they include in it? All right. So I love talking about resumes. I mean, obviously I've been passionate this whole episode, but I like love talking about resumes. So, uh, so resumes, the one page thing has been kind of a general rule forever. But in today's environment, um, the, 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 the knowledge or the, 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 the mantra, the motto is really for you to use the, as many pages as are necessary to effectively convey your value. I don't expect, uh, expect an executive who's got 30 or 40 years of experience to give me a one-page resume. That just doesn't make any sense. And it's useless to try to cram in everything on one page if you got to use three-point font and you're going to take off half of your skills and, 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 and uh, experience in order to fit it there. That just doesn't seem like it's the right answer. However, though, and this is a very, very big however, you have to keep in mind that um, that recruiters and hiring managers are getting an extremely high volume of, of resumes that are coming in. And so they're, they're not going to spend a half an hour pouring over, you know, page four, five, six of your resume. So the question is, you know, are you optimizing the content that's on there? Are you using 12 words when only six would do? Um, you know, and you have to think about for most common job titles, uh, recruiters and hiring managers, they already know whether, so if they say that, hey, I'm a professor teaching this, you don't need to say, I developed a lesson plan, and then I taught the class, and then I, you, you, you know, you don't need that because they, they already have a sense of that. Uh, so when it comes down to what you should include in your resume, uh, it's really about not being the kitchen sink. Your resume should not be all things to all people. And that's why it's so important going back to understanding and like we'll talk about the career discovery and exploration to really get focused on what is it that you want to do because then you can target everything so that you eliminate a lot of the fluff and irrelevant information. So once it's targeted, you're, you're eliminating all the old jobs that you don't need, you're eliminating all the old uh, the expired credentials, and you're focusing on your skills and accomplishments that are relevant to the industry and the job that you're applying for. And so you talked about someone saying, well, hey, you need to be able to, you know, show that you save the company money, you know, uh, for, for implementing this initiative. That's not your field of expertise. But what you should be doing as an educator is showing the impact that you've had on the folks that you've taught in the organizations and the institutions that you've worked for. Because if I'm looking for an educator to bring that person in, I want to know, well, what impact have you had? Are you just going up there and teaching and then that's it? Or have you really tried to create a difference? And then have you done any research that's meaningful? Um, you know, have you written any particular works or anything like that that I can leverage? What articles have you written? How knowledgeable are you on this topic? So even though you don't have something necessarily quantifiable in that space, impact is important and especially for getting to someone who's knowledgeable about that field they they have a different level of expectations when they're looking for that particular type of resume and one thing i want to say if no one on the call or who's listening to the podcast is you know if you don't get anything else from what i'm saying do not 
for, you know, under any circumstances, include a references upon request section. Don't include any references. If they want it, they will ask. Do not have a, a dry objective statement because that's also taking up space. Just, just don't do it. Uh, the only time that you should have an objective statement is if you're changing careers because you have to show, okay, I'm leveraging this old experience into this new career. But other than that, don't waste valuable space on your resume, including that stuff. Mm. Thank you. Taking off, <laughs> be taking mine off today. <laughs> I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> uh, I don't have the re request stuff, but the, the statement. Uh, so with resumes, I want to ask you this. How does someone use key terms and keywords in their resume that will, I don't want to say trick an algorithm, but but it, your, essentially that's what it is. Or, but get your <laughs> but get your application actually pulled so that a human will look at it when you're submitting it this thing online. So uh, great question because you know people talk about beating the ATS or the applicant tracking system, and what that really comes down to is optimizing your 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 document your re your resume with the right keywords. And so what I typically like to do is uh, I use a, a, an areas of expertise section or a skills section that will allow me to incorporate some of the keywords from the particular job description or field of interest so you can have it right there. And then also um, there's the kind of qualification summary or career summary that's at the top of the page where you can incorporate some of those keywords as well. And then as you're building out your job descriptions, that's where you can really start to leverage those as well because if they're looking for someone who's done particular analysis, if you've got experience in doing this type of analysis that you know I've analyzed, you know technological devices or whatever, then that's a way for you to incorporate it right in your job description. So that's the reason it's important to use active verbs and use active words instead of putting "I was responsible for" and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, this is the time for you to put in those keywords, and that so if you put it in your job descriptions, and then you have that skill section. And also if you leverage that career summary or qualification summary at the top, that's a, the, you know, those are multiple places in your resume that you can kind of sneak those words in, but you have to make sure. So let me, let me uh, give you guys a word of caution here. Don't just throw in words for throwing words sake. You have to make sure that everything ties together. So if I read your career summary, I shouldn't be blindsided by the skills that you put in the skills section because what I'm reading about you as a candidate, it should tie to the skills that you say that you have, which then ties to the, the, the job expertise. It, it shouldn't be that, hey, you know, I'm talking about being a sales manager up here and then my skills section talks about all these finance skills I have and then I get into my job expertise and now I'm an engineer. It's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> something's, not, something's not tying together here. So you still have to make sure that those, that they all tie together and make sure that the document is cohesive. Mm. All right. I think I'm going to have to pay somebody. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Which brings me to the next question. Um, before we go, what what is your call to action for an educator who is, you know, they're now thinking of opportunities outside of K through 12? And how can people work with you? Okay. Uh, so my call to action really would be get moving. 
if you have gotten to this point where you're thinking it's time to move on, you probably didn't get to this idea lightly. You've probably had some time to simmer on this and talk to your family, pray, meditate, what have you. So if you've gotten to this point, it's time to act on it. Like get started today, get started, you know, right now. Um, like I said at the very beginning, um, that we believe, you know, at, at Rock Career Development, that if you can change your career and you can find something that's fulfilling, you can change your life and making sure that you're living your best life. Uh, you can find work that's fulfilling and that pays you well. You can start living for Monday instead of living for Friday. We do believe that that's possible, but you have to get clear on what that is and then get that action plan. And that's something that, that, that I would love to help your audience with. They can, they can reach out to me directly. Um, they can go to my website at rockcareer.com services and schedule a free 15 minute consultation. And we can talk through what they need and if we're a fit for one another, or if they say, you know, Hey, I just want to send her an email and, 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 and kind of figure out what's going on. They can easily email me at hello at rockcareer.com. And then they can also follow me on social media at rockcareer on all, on all the social media platforms. Awesome. Awesome people. That was Julia rock y'all. Uh, wow. People like Jay-Z said, the rock is in the building. Hey, uh, I, I had, wow. This is a great conversation. Thank you for coming on Julia. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Will. This was awesome. I hope that we get a chance to do this again sometime. Hey, you tell me when, cause I was about to ask you to, I want you to come back on. Uh, it's just, it's valuable knowledge. And the thing about, and I know the education well, particularly let's say K through 12. We just, we just have a system where you come in as a teacher, you can become an academic coach. Then, you know, there's uh, interventionist positions, there's coordinators, you can become, you know, a school administrator. Then you talk about central office level. Now you're talking about directors and then, you know, superintendents. So, People can see sort of a linear career path, but which one is best for you? How do you determine what is best for you? Even or when? That's the key for me. That's when this whole how do I figure out figure out this thing out? I know because my educational uh, level, my credentials, and stuff that I'm passionate about. There is no job at my district currently that will allow me to move up. So I know it's only a matter of time before I'm out. And now I'm just working on what does that look like for me and how do I get there? And this, and this I'm, at, I'm just like, oh my gosh, because I, I enjoy the people I work with uh, and I'm not necessarily, you know, like have a date on the calendar of, okay, this is the date that I will leave my district. Uh, you know, I, it's not that, but I do know that there's just nothing there left, left for me to do outside of what I'm doing now in terms of going up and making more money. So I know that at some point in time, it's going to happen unless, you know, then next six months they, they create this position. I go, oh, all right. I might have a little something there. Uh, right. so I'm just trying to see how this thing works out. So, you know, thanks again for coming on. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing I'll say to you before I go is that if that's the question that you have, it's like, okay, where I'm at, I'm, I'm leveling, 
I'm leveling out and I don't think I'll be able to, to, to get the opportunity I want. The question is, have you taken the time to assess what organizations or institutions have those positions that, that you would see yourself at as the next level? So maybe it's not in this district, but is it in another city? Is it in the same city? Is it in another field? Whatever it is, have you taken the time to do that research? Because many times people don't do the research, they just see what they see out there, but they haven't kind of dug into it. And sometimes when you've done the research, it's like, oh, well, I can still leverage these skills, but maybe I just need to move someplace else. Maybe I need to just take on this kind of interim opportunity before I can get there. So, you know, have you done that assessment? But I'll be happy to come back if you want to kind of dig into that a little bit more. We can have a specific conversation about that. I'll be, I'll be happy to come back anytime. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate it. Now, people, you know how I do this. This episode will be going up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Simplecast. I need you to follow, subscribe, leave your comments, leave your reviews. People, I want to see more reviews on Apple Podcasts because I want to be found. I, look, I know it's just me, but I think my show is dope. And provide, I do too. It's not just you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Alhamdulillah. I, I think I provide some good information. So we want to be popping out there. We want people to find it. So, you know, sub subscribe and leave your comments, reviews, and share with people you know. Uh, because your boy also trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Julia Rock, for coming on and dropping so many gems. This podcast episode is coming out very soon, people. Uh, when I mean soon, I mean this week. It's coming out this week. Uh, it was got to get it out there. And again, people, I'd like to thank you for checking out the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you. Edu, peace. Thank you.